I'm Brandon Knight, and this is My Seminary Life. Welcome back, everybody. Brandon Knight here for another episode of My Seminary Life. Thank you all for joining us this fake summer semester. We've been uh, studying C.S. Lewis and looking over some of my old sermons over the past several weeks, and today is our final episode of this summer. So thank you to everybody who's been hanging in there with me as we try to figure out what it is we're even going to try and do to get through this summer semester together. But I think we did a pretty good job. So today is going to be our final episode in the Revisiting My Old Sermon storyline, and then... We're going to take the next couple Saturdays off. I'll still be active on social media, but no new episodes for the next couple weeks to give myself a little bit of a break. And then we will be back at the end of August for Theological Systems 1, also known as Systematic Theology 1. Uh, We'll be starting things off there back in an actual school semester, actual class. It's going to be a lot better. But today, we're going into what, at least for me, I think I have saved the best, I think I have saved the best sermon for last. Maybe not the best sermon, but at least the, the one that is most near and dear to my heart. So, for all my other stories, I was not sure when exactly they took place. But today, I actually have... I actually know exactly when this sermon was preached. It was preached on October 22nd, 2010, and it's because I have the preaching rotation right here in front of me. Today is the story about the time that I got to preach at the Pacific Garden Mission. Now, for those of you who are outside of the Chicagoland area, the Pacific Garden Mission is a a homeless ministry in Chicago, not too far actually from Chinatown, part of Chicago. Uh, It's a homeless ministry that takes care of, obviously, the homeless by meeting as many physical needs as they can, whether it's uh, providing meals, providing uh, doctors for, uh, what, what do they do? They have dentistry, they have podiatry, all sorts of different medical type of treatments. Obviously, there's a housing area for the people who need to stay overnight. And along with all of the physical needs that they try to meet, they also provide spiritual care as well. There's small groups, there's discipleship, and every evening there's a big service for everybody that everyone who's going to stay the night is uh, required to attend. And during during high school, so that's where this is taking place, is in, during my time in high school, I started going once a month with a group of men up to the Pacific Garden Mission. Also, if you're curious why it's called the Pacific Garden Mission and it's right in the middle of Chicago, it's because it used to be, at its original location, before it was the mission, it was the Pacific Garden Mission brew house or pub or something like that and somebody asked I think it was Moody asked DL Moody what they should do about it and he was like just just drop the beer part and put in mission it's not that hard so that's part of the story about why it's called the Pacific Garden Mission even though it is in Chicago uh, and not on the Pacific but anyway back to the back to the back to the story 
in high school, I started going with a group of men once a month to put on a Friday night worship service. We were, I believe, the last or next to last Friday of every month we would go up there to do a worship service. And the the way I got connected to this is be, is because the church that did this was the church that I grew up in, is the church I got saved in, the church I got baptized in as a kid. Um, it's where we were going for most most of my childhood because I think we changed churches right about middle school, maybe a little before then, but a lot of my early years all of my early years, was spent at this church in Hammond. And I got really close with a man there named Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark uh, was my Sunday school teacher growing up. And even after we left the church and started going to other churches, my relationship with Mr. Clark continued for a very long time. He, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Clark was definitely uh, a mentor to me. He was a kind, gentle old man who loved the Lord and genuinely cared about other people. And that was clearly communicated by the way that he interacted with other people. He really loved other people and wanted to make sure that they felt the love of Jesus when he was meeting with them. I have so many memories, you know, as a kid in Sunday school class, listening to him teach when I was like in middle school and high school and we were at a different church, he would pick me up during the summer, maybe once or twice during the summer, he would come pick me up and we would go to the demolition derby races at the Ileana Speedway. It's closed now. The Ileana Speedway over there on uh, on 30 in that like Merrillville, Cherville area. Uh, and we, we would go like this would be the last place I would ever think I would go with Mr. Clark to is to these like demolition derbies. Uh, but we would go watch demolition derbies and ra car racing and other things there, bus races. Um, and then as I got older, when I was like in college, I would go and I would visit Mr. Clark when I would be home from break. Uh, he was able to meet Claire and he uh, was able to attend our wedding uh, almost three years ago now. But he passed away uh, back in 2019, which I am, I know this sounds weird, but I'm kind of thankful that he did pass away in 2019 because I can only imagine what it would have been like if that would have happened in 2020, if he would have passed away last year, I don't know how that would have worked. Because he has, Mr. Clark has this huge family. His, uh, all these, he had all these children, and they all have kids, and they all have grandkids. Like, he had, like, great-grandchildren. Like, he, yeah, it's a huge family. He had been alive for so long. I mean, it was, it was a packed house, is what I'm trying to say. And... I just don't know how that would have been feasible during the early days of the pandemic. Because it was like May of 2019 is when he passed away. Early June was when the um, when the service was. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like if that would have happened in 2020. So I'm just so thankful that he was able to go home to the Lord when he did. Uh, the family was very generous to me. They... Uh, Knowing my relationship with Mr. Clark, they had a celebration of life service, not so much like a funeral or a wake. And they had, it was one of his kids, one of his in-laws, one of his grandkids, and then they asked me to speak as well, kind of being the voice for 
the people who were influenced by Mr. Clark who uh, were not blood relatives. So it's kind of my place in the kind of story, the narr- the stories that they were telling that night. And it was an honor. And I have one of his Bibles now. It was a gift from the family uh, to say thank you for speaking at the service. But anyway, that's all to help you understand who Mr. Clark is and that he's a very valued memory in my life, a very valued person in my life. And I would go up with him and a couple other men once a month up to the Pacific Garden Mission while I was in high school to put on these Friday night services. And it was was interesting. I had never done anything like that. I've never really done anything like that since then. Basically, it was up to the mission and we would meet another church up there who would do all the music stuff. So there was two churches. One would do all the music ministry portions. And then the group I was with would focus more on the like the prayer, the scripture reading, and also the preaching. That was kind of how the two came together. Uh, the group of people who did the singing, I don't remember what church they were from, but they were all very kind and very gifted singers doing a lot of old-timey Baptist hymns, which that's another thing. That's kind of the tone that's at the Pacific Garden Mission Services, kind of like an old-timey evangelistic uh, Baptist service. Um, You have not lived until you have heard that group sing victory in Jesus. That is the best way to sing victory in Jesus is the way that they sing it at the Pacific Garden Mission. Um, Also, what was the other one? There was another one that seemed like every time we went, we sang it every time. I can't remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure we sang victory in Jesus every time. It may be the theme song of the Pacific Garden Mission. It is a great hymn though. Anyway, so they would take care of all the music stuff. We would coordinate all the rest of the service and I would do, usually early on, I would do things like the scripture reading is normally what Mr. Clark would have me slotted in for. I would go up there and read the passage and then uh, that would be it. Or maybe I would do the opening prayer. That's usually what he would do. And uh, I, you know, again, wanting to be in some form of pastoral ministry and knowing good and well that I enjoyed preaching, I I wanted to go up there, uh, partially because, you know, I like I've said time and time again on these episodes, I enjoy preaching and I, I look for opportunities that I can get to preach and I try not to say no whenever stuff comes up, but also because, like, I th- at least for me, maybe this isn't the case for every ministry person in Northwest Indiana, but for me, the opportunity to preach at the Pacific Garden Mission, it was kind of a big deal. Because it's, it's been a long-standing ministry in Chicago that has been helping out thousands of people. You know, it's a, it's a landmark. And I, I honestly wanted to be able to say I have preached at the Pacific Garden Mission. Actually, I've preached twice. Uh, this is the sermon I have for us this morning, or this whenever you're listening to this. The sermon I have for today is uh, the first sermon because I like this one a little bit more. Anyway, so... At some point, after several months of doing this, I asked Mr. Clark if it would be okay if there, if I could preach sometime. And I think I kind of presented it as a, hey, if, if you don't have anybody else, <laughs> throw it to the 16-year-old kid. 
and I'll, I'll go up there. And sure enough, he did. And like I said, it was October 22nd. I have, this is a letter I had gotten from him. I think it was like a Christmas card, and this was inside of there. And do I recognize anyone else on this list? Well, Mr. Clark was on here at least twice. Um, yeah. Oh, there, oh, hey, we were going to go up there on Christmas Eve that year. I did not go. We always go out to my grandparents' house for Christmas Eve. Um, but yeah, this was... Okay, so... And now on to the sermon. So, uh, you know, I have a bunch of papers. This is how I used to do my sermons, I, apparently, is I would just have a bunch of papers and put a paper clip together. So I've got this letter of the, of the speaking, uh, who's going to be speaking each month from Mr. Clark from 2010. I have handwritten notes because apparently that was a thing I used to do. I have the, my parents are on the mailing list for the Pacific Garden Mission, and I have their... Um, I have the uh, newsletter from the month that I would have been preaching. My parents gave it to me as a souvenir, so that's cool. Uh, and then I have my sermon, which is typed out just a little over two pages, which initially made me go, huh, this is really short. How did I preach for like 20 to 30 minutes with something this short? And then I turned to the page and I found a third page here that has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 scriptures. So apparently I made this sermon last very long because I had all of the Bible verses to read <laughs> to do it. Um, so let's get into this. The title for this sermon is, There is a Cure, There is a Savior. Because back then I actually titled my sermons. I don't really do that anymore. It's the part that I care the least about now. And usually that is the part that churches want, like, they ask me so that way they can, um, that, that's usually the part that churches ask me so that way they can, uh, like, know what to put, like, for their DVD recordings or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've always, like, I, I don't know what it's called. Anyway, um... So I open this up. Let's see what do we got here. I open this up by uh, saying thank you for letting me be here, and I pray. That sounds nice and wholesome. Um, I start off by saying, so in my intro here, I, I talk about ailments. So there is, I don't know, several hundred people at this service. It is the the two times I've preached at the Pacific Garden Mission are the biggest services I've ever preached in. I. The only thing that I think remotely comes close is when I did Mr. Clark's memorial service, honestly. Like, there was a lot of people packed into the church that day. Um, but yeah, so in a room this big, I start things off. I talk about how there's probably a lot of people here who aren't feeling well, which, like I said, that's part of the ministry of the Pacific Art Mission is to take care of people physically. So, low-hanging fruit, but hey... It, it's a way to get people listening. There's all type of doctors to take care of the human body. Um, and I've kind of run down the different areas that, you know, people get injured in and how they, you know, what doctor they would go see. Foot doctor, blah, 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 dentist. And then I talk about that. If you look at me, you would think that I am in really physical I'm in really physically good shape. I'm 16 in decent shape. I'm all around pretty healthy. But I do have one bad physical problem. And I tell the story of my eyesight, which 
I totally forgot that this was like my that this was my intro, and it makes for a little nice side story. Um, for those of you who don't know me personally, I have holes in my retina structure, so I'm not nearsighted. I'm not farsighted. I was born with literal microscopic spaces in my retina structure, you know, the back, kind of back wall of the inside of your eye. There's these itty-bitty little spaces. So I can function pretty well without my glasses, but uh, with those microscopic holes, I'm, like, I'm essentially missing details a lot of the times, or I'm missing, like, like, my vision isn't as good as it should be, and there's not really much that they can do to correct that. So, that was a big part of my intro, and a way to build a little bit of, like, hey, I kind of, I don't really get what it's like being you, but I understand what it's like having a physical ailment and having to live with it. Cool. Now, there is a problem that we share equally, I write, but it is not a physical problem is a spiritual ailment called sin. Now, all throughout this, I talk about sin as a spiritual ailment, okay? If you couldn't guess from the title. And I don't know if I necessarily... I don't know if I necessarily like that still. Um, when I rewrote the notes, I kept just about all of this. I think there was one little bit that I was like, eh, I don't really care for this anymore. Um... But for the most part, I did keep a lot of this sermon, and but I'm just not quite sure how I feel about sin being compared to an ailment. I don't know. Because, you know, when you look at scripture, you look at especially like, I believe it's Ephesians, uh, it talks about how we are spiritually dead because of our sin. So it's not even like an ailment. It is, it is a cause of death. It's not just an ailment. It is a cause of death. So, I don't know. Something to think about. You can always drop us a thought on uh, on the episode link on our Facebook page, My Seminary Life. Let me know what you think. Is sin a spiritual ailment? Is that something that we should be using as an analogy? I think for the sake of this lesson, it works as an analogy. I then began running it back on where sin even originates from. Uh, sin entered the world way back at the beginning of the world, and I walk through Genesis 3, 1 through 13. Okay, pretty standard, talking about the fall of man. So, because of the sin, we are separated from God. God is perfect, and sin makes us imperfect. So, we can't be with him because he is perfect. God's law, uh, when we disobey God's laws uh, by lying, stealing, uh, putting over, uh, putting other things over God, and other things listed in the Bible and God's word, that makes us unrighteous. We are not perfect. And I talk about Romans 3, 10, and verse 23. So by the way, uh, not only do I have the whatever it was, 15 verses, I also read all of Genesis 3, 1 through 13, and my scripture passage was Romans 3, 9 through 31. So I have inundated these people with the word of God on this evening, on October 22nd, 2010, the congregation got hit with a lot of scripture. I'll speak for myself by saying I have broken God's laws several times, so I, like everyone else, am an imperfect sinner, trying to build that little bit of a wall, or break down a little bit of that wall. Um, now, 
Due to our sin ailment, we can't be with God in heaven when we die, and so we go to hell. Uh, and then I talk about the some of the big misconceptions about hell today, uh, talking about how basically a lot of times in media, hell is portrayed as this, like, really, you know, kind of, like, fun place where just, like, kind of bad people go and the devil's, like, poking you with a fork or whatever. Uh, or people just don't believe in hell at all. Um, according to God's truthful word, though it... It says hell is. Uh, it says that hell is the exact opposite. It's a real place and is a place of eternal fire, brimstone, where we will constantly be in pain without relief. And then I read Romans six verse twenty three. So this rotten ailment of ours, sin, not only separates us from God, but sends us to an eternal punishment for being sinful. You may be saying, "Is there hope for us?" Which is funny that I do that, because I still do that. This is a technique that I use that I don't know where this came from. This, what, I, what I'm doing here is I'm preaching, 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 and then I try to get into the mind of the listening audience and try to pick the brain of you know someone who may be there who is a little skeptical on whatever I'm saying, and that is how I use to transition into the rest of my sermon. It I don't I don't know where I got that from, but that's something that I've apparently have been doing for eleven years. Um, where was I? Uh, many physical ailments have cures. You break your arm, you have it set, sore throat, you take medicine, uh, headache, you take an aspirin. Uh, I wear glasses to help with my eyesight. Um, but is there a cure for sin? Can a doctor perform some type of surgery to remove sin or prescribe a medicine that will take it out? No. No, no that is not an option. That is not the way to get rid of sin. But let me tell you, there is a cure. There is a savior. There is a way to get this ailment out of you and out of me, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then I proceed to read John 3, 16, 1 John 4, 19, Romans 5, 8, Isaiah 53, 5, and 1 Corinthians 15, 4. God's only son, Jesus, who lived a perfect, sinless life, took our sins on his body and died a gruesome death, but rose again the third day and now lives in heaven with the Father. He was the perfect sacrifice for taking away our ailment. And when I did that part, if I remember correctly, there was a round of applause, which... I guess, to be honest, gave me a bit of a spiritual high. It made me feel like that I was doing a really good job. Go me. Like, I, I really, like, it did give me a bit of a spiritual high. But on the, like, the good side of that part, uh, on the applause there, was that did tell me that people were listening and that there was people there who either were agreeing with the message or needed to hear the message. But it did also give me a bit of a spiritual high, which I tried to recreate the second time I preached there, which was not a... Don't do that, kids. Don't do that. But you may be asking, again, this like uh, rhetorical question, how do I get this salvation? Do I work for it? God's word says that since we are separated, uh, since we are imperfect, no amount of good can save you. Only grace and mercy from the Lord can save you. And I read Ephesians 2, 5, and verses 8 and 9, Romans 3, 24, Titus 3, 5, and Acts 4, 12. 
The only way to get salvation is simply asking Jesus to come into your life. Believe he died on the cross and rose again for you. Salvation is a free gift and you can ask for it anytime. And then I read Acts 2.31. No, excuse me, Acts 2.21. Acts 2.21. Acts 16.31. Romans 10.9 and 1 John 1.9. Turn the page. Salvation is always available. The free gift of getting rid of this horrid ailment called sin is ready now to be given to you. It may seem weird that Jesus would die for us, even though we did nothing to deserve it, but that's love. And then, because, so if you listen to, go back and listen to the episode, My First Sermon, if you haven't checked it out yet, because I uh, stole the title from Aaron Schust. Apparently, I was just riding high on Aaron Schust during this time of my life because I closed this sermon by saying, you count it strange, so once did I, before I knew my Savior, which is a line from that same song, My Savior and My God. And that's it. That is the whole sermon. Uh, Like I said, I believe I kept most of this when I transferred my notes over into uh, an electronic document. I may keep a little bit of this one. I'm definitely keeping this letter from Mr. Clark about the speaking rotation, obviously. Um, But I think I'm going to keep a little bit of this just as mementos. You never know. Someday in life, maybe grandkids will want some of this stuff. Who knows? Anyway, um, but yeah, let me know what you think. By going over to our Facebook page where we have the link for this episode and comment, what do you think? Do you think that sin should be discussed as an, a spiritual ailment or should it be addressed as something else and something more serious? Let me know. I will try not to take offense to it. Uh, but if you have any other thoughts from today's episode, you can always comment on the link there on Facebook. And if you haven't liked our page yet, please, facebook.com. Uh, my seminary life. I believe that the username is at my seminary life pod. If you want to look for it that way, you could tag us using that at. Um, you could also leave us a message, drop into our DMs on Facebook, or you can leave us a voice memo over on our page on Anchor. And as always, we're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, uh, Pocket Casts. You can check us out all over the place. And tell your friends about the episode. You can go check it out on all the on those platforms. And you can follow me, Brandon Knight, over on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k. And that is it. Thanks again for joining me these past couple weeks in our fake summer semester. On the one hand, it feels like we just started. And on the other hand, man, does late May, early June seem like forever ago. But thanks for tuning in. Uh, Like I said, I will still be active over on social media, but no new episodes these next couple weeks. Give my vocal cords a bit of a break. But... I love you guys. Thank you for checking out the show. Uh, we got a, I got a busy fall ahead of me. Hopefully by the new episode at the end of the month, I'll have a couple fun announcements to uh, share with you all. But um, 
I do have some ideas on how to continue to branch out this show, but it's all going to be dependent on how my fall schedule looks with school and work and some of this other stuff that's coming. Uh, Systematic Ecology is launching this fall, too, so there will be that as well. So a busy plate ahead of me, but um, obviously I want to make this show my thing and make it as great as I can. So be looking at for some more updates here in a couple weeks. But until next time, I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.